A while ago, my family was playing a board game, and I don't know if you're like my family, but we get pretty competitive. And it was a game called Hugger Mugger, and I, I don't even think they make the game anymore, but it was a game that was sort of like a trivial pursuit game, and you move your piece around the board, and then you, uh, if you get into a certain area, then you get to guess one letter of, you get to see one letter of the secret word, and if you get enough of the letters, then obviously you get to guess the secret word and you win the game. That's kind of how the game goes. So one time we were playing this game and I was a, one letter from really figuring out what the secret word was and I spun and moved into the area that I needed to be in but my son raised an objection. He said, no, you can't do that. You have to get the exact number on the exact square to get into this area to get the letter to win the game. And I said, we've never, we didn't start playing that way. You're making up the rules. It drove me nuts. Making up the rules. The rules of a game are a preset way to play it. I mean, the creators of the game lay out the boundaries within which the game is played. And the reason for the rules is so that people can enjoy the game, can have direction to move and have a goal to achieve. Rules in a game are a little bit like banks of a river. Without them, it causes a flood. I mean, imagine if you're in a soccer tournament and you go the first day of the soccer tournament and you play the game as normal with all the boundaries and goals and everything set up and you win that game you go on to the next game and all of a sudden the rule the ref says well there's no goal lines this time you just kick it past that line anywhere and and you'll be good then the th next game you you come and let's say there's no boundaries at all there's no goal lines i mean at first it would be kind of fun but then it would end in chaos i mean think about this in a game, when someone makes up their own rules, the rules they make up are usually based on something, not nothing. It isn't like they just arbitrarily are making up rules. It's usually based on something. Well, I feel like we're going to play this way today. Well, then the rules are based on feelings. Well, we can take this shortcut. Well, the rules are based on cheating. In life... Made-up rules oftentimes are based on our own desires, our own thoughts, our own ideas of what should be. And, and this is the scary part, that something determines the quality and direction of a person's life. Nathan may have won the board game, but it scarred him forever. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but when you make up rules, when you make it up as you go, when you live your life based on what you feel or think that sounds good, there's no foundation, there's no guidance, there's no direction, and in life, it impacts your character, your relationship with God, your relationship with others, and most of the time, it does not end well. I mean, just this past week, two prisoners who had, who had broken out, broke the rules, broke out of a, a prison and launched this daring escape um, a couple of months ago. They've been on the run for two months. Well, one of them this past week was caught and shot and killed um, just this past week. It doesn't end well. Listen, making up your own rules for life is exactly what the enemy wants spiritually. This is where the spiritual attack comes in. Think about Genesis. I mean, Eve is walking around, you know, looking to make an apple pie, and she sees the tree, but knows that God put parameters around the tree because, listen, God knew the result of eating the fruit from that tree would ultimately hurt her. Not because he doesn't like apple pie or not because he doesn't, uh, that he's some sort of fun killer. God puts boundaries around things that would ultimately hurt you. 
But Satan, though, he says to Eve, hey, did God really say that you couldn't eat that? And what was Satan doing? He was breaking the boundary that God had intended for good. Listen, making up your own rules for life is exactly what the enemy wants because then you don't have any kind of solid foundation that holds your life together. He can and will launch an all-out attack on you, on, on the church, on our society, and that's what we're seeing real-time today. He can launch, launch an all-out attack on your own faith and your belief in God. So that brings us back to the series, the series that we're, we started last week called Be Strong. And uh, again, it was a series that we're using the armor of God as, as outlaid by Paul in Ephesians. Uh, and, and really, the key thing for this whole series is to always remember um, what Paul says in Ephesians, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. But against enemy, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, there's no no doubt that our world is dark morally and spiritually, and it seems to be getting darker because people seem to be moving farther from the true light of God's love. If you remember, our series again is based on, like I said, what's called the armor of God, described in Paul uh, in Ephesians six. Ephesians 6.13 says, Therefore, put on your full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. I mean, what's crazy is he's describing something that will keep you safe as, as in a battle, which is the armor. But isn't it funny that he begins to describe this armor of God? He starts talking about a belt I mean, why have all things a belt? He could have started with the mighty sword or, or the towering shield of faith or the breastplate of righteousness, you know, or anything, anything. But he didn't. He starts with a belt. Well, why would he do that? Well, in our day, a belt is used either as a fashion statement or the main purpose really is just to hold up your pants. But what was the belt used for in the Roman army? Well, the belt played a crucial role in the effectiveness of a soldier's armor. It was the belt that held the sheath, without which there'd be no place to put your sword. Imagine this this overzealous soldier fired up charges into battle, but without his belt, and without the belt, he would also not have, not his pants, but he would not have his weapon. For the Roman soldier, the purpose of the belt, and get this, was to hold everything together so that it all wouldn't fall apart. It's the belt of truth. God gives human, humanity rules, boundaries, and they're, they're given so that life, morality, and society won't fall apart. And listen, if the enemy can cut your belt of truth, he's got you. So the question for us is, what is this belt of truth that holds it all together? Well, we'll be taking a look at John 17, verses 13 to 19. And this is what's called the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Uh, because he's he's praying to his father, he's praying to the Heavenly Father on behalf of the disciples. And that's what the priest's role really was, is to, to be in the standing in the gap between God and, and, uh, and humanity, really. So they call it the high priestly prayer, John 17. And he, he prays this, starting in verse 13. Jesus is, is praying and he says, Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be filled with my joy. See, Jesus is saying that he communicated uh, what it takes to have real joy, the real source of joy. Then verse 14, he says, I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. 
I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Now listen, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, your Savior, my Savior, the Savior of the world, is praying for, for you, for us. And specifically, he's praying that in the day of battle, with sin and temptation and the attacks of the devil, he's praying that you're protected from most of that. Which means that the temptations and the attacks that you experience are minimized by the love and mercy of God. Jesus goes on in verse 16 and says, They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy, which basically means set apart. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, the word of God, which is truth, Jesus says. So truth is God's word. It's the living message communicated through those words, words and uh, and direction that lead to life and joy and righteousness with God. It is the belt that holds it together, holds it all together, and it's a solid truth that keeps us close to God. Now listen, the, the world we live in teaches the truth is what we make it. The, the good and bad are relative, and there are no absolutes, only equally valid opinions. But the Bible teaches that truth is God's word, that good and bad are defined by Him, and there are e- eternal and unchangeable absolutes uninfluenced by opinions. When a culture allows Satan to unravel the belt that God has given out for his love and for our good, that culture deteriorates. That's not politics. That's not opinion. That fact has been showing up since the beginning of time. According to historian and author Malcolm Muggeridge, in the fall of of most every nation throughout history, all the major nations that have fallen, it doesn't start with the political, economic, or military weakness that we may think it does. There are three things that predetermine or, or precede every decline of every major nation throughout history. First of all is the decline of morality. Second, the decline of values. And third, the decline of spirituality. Every single time. That's why we at Trinity are firm on the truth of God's word, not on the whims of our culture. We welcome all people, but don't compromise on what God says is true and right and lovely. This last Friday, I was sitting in the the airport in Phoenix, and I was coming home from seeing my brother. And as I was sitting there, I looked up and I saw a notification about the Supreme Court decision, the 5-4 decision allowing homosexuals to marry in all 50 states. Now, parents, don't worry. I know your kids are, are listening, so I'm sensitive, so don't go running for the door. But regarding homosexuality or, or even sex outside the context of marriage or, or even stealing or, or any other sin, God tells us that acting on the feelings of those, those thoughts are, is sinful. He says not to give in because those acts are destructive. So I'm sitting there in the airport and I'm, I'm writing a letter to the congregation that many of you received that basically outlines our stance as a church and a church body, the biblical um, uh, stance of saying homosexuality is an act, the act of homosexuality is sin. So as I'm writing this letter, two young girls come and sit down next to me, and they were a couple. The one saw my ring that has a cross on it and the other and also my bracelet that has saith listen to the voice of god the other person the other one was scrolling and rejoicing about the decision and so picture that scene i here i am i'm writing about our stance on homosexual marriage and this mar- this young couple comes and i i'm i'm thinking god what do you want me to say do i say anything and and i just sense god saying just love them so 
I asked if they were reading about the recent decision and the one says, yeah, isn't it great? <laughs> I was like, well, it's interesting. <laughs> and as we got into a conversation, I found out that they were on their way to California to get married. And, and I'm asking questions like, so before the ruling, what impact was that when you moved back to the state that you're living in? You know, was it recognized? And we'd go, we went back and forth, back and forth. Um, never said that I was a pastor. I never indicated I was for or against gay marriage. I just was listening and loving them. As they got up to leave, all I said was, hey, God loves you guys, praying for you. And the one girl turned to me and she goes, thanks. The belt of truth, God's truth, is what holds it all together. And you, are I to, you, you and I are to examine our own belts, keeping them firm and acting in love to all people. 